good stories have three boxes to fill. Past, present, future. It's not that difficult. Yet this structure has a powerful hypnotic effect on audiences. If you want the proof, look at what happened this week when Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, joined Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, and Sundar Pichai, and Mark Zuckerberg. Several trillion dollars worth of share value there off the bat joined in one Zoom call at a congressional hearing to answer very tough questions about their businesses and business practices. Now, Jeff Bezos was first to talk about who he was and their statement in an opening statement, which was a masterclass in storytelling. And what did Jeff Bezos do? Because Jeff Bezos isn't the most charismatic, isn't a Steve Jobs style storyteller. But Jeff Bezos used a structure which I teach leaders in storytelling, which is the three box story, past, present, future. Past. How did we get here? The present, what is the challenge that we're facing now? Future, what is it that we're trying to build? Now, that's not particularly special. And it's perhaps the plot line and the structure of every single Hollywood movie, blockbuster novel that you've ever seen or read. And that's the point. It's not about telling an amazing story, but telling a story we already understand. So when Bezos cues up his testimony, so to speak, he introduces his story through a classic plot line called The Accidental Hero. And I'll talk about how Steve Jobs used this to affect, to create almost Jedi-like mind tricks on his audience. Now, The Accidental Hero is a classic plot line used in Hollywood and historical narratives, which is, I didn't ask to be here, but I'm here, and this is my calling. And in Jeff Bezos's uh, Accidental Hero setup, he talks about his parents, Jackie and Miguel, who were, you know, almost thrown together by circumstance. And then he himself, Jeff Bezos, had to somehow, you know, make up for the historical mistakes of his parents that they weren't properly educated, etc, etc. So Jeff Bezos became in his narrative, and this is important, it's his narrative, his, he uses the frame to define data points to define the data about what Amazon is and what it does. He's using a frame which we already understand, which is the accidental hero, which is a very Hollywood and a very sort of American dream style narrative. So he's basically queuing this up and saying, look, I'm just like every accidental hero that you've ever heard about. I'm like every entrepreneurial success, every, you know, Michael Dell in the garage or you know, two co-founders who came together to build this thing that they were really passionate about and it was successful, whether it was Paul Allen and Bill Gates or Steve and Woz in the garage, all these kind of plot lines that we've understood for hundreds, thousands of years, which we accept and are the main line to our brain and our consciousness. And Jeff Bezos knows how to leverage this by setting it up. He didn't set out to say Amazon is a trillion dollar company delivering value to our customers. Instead, he queued up his story, not talking about Amazon, but talking about how he got here. And 
Think of every single Hollywood movie you have seen. The scene setting. In Lord of the Rings, it was the scene setting of the, the backstory of the conquering of the human lords and the dwarf lords and all that kind of, sort of mythical backstory to that. Or in your, you know, a classic thriller, the scene setting would be the first scene would not be the beginning, but the dead body lying on the floor with, you know, maybe footsteps and somebody running off in the distance. How did we get here? Jeff Bezos uses the same plot line. This is how we got, this is how Amazon came to be. My parents, it's not some, some conspiratorial theory. We are not in any way product of the 1% replicating privilege and the barriers to entry and inequality in society. What Jeff Bezos is saying is, I'm a normal guy just like you and we were a, a, you know, an unprivileged family that got lucky, that worked hard, and we lived out the American dream, and that is a powerful narrative. So when you build out the three-box plotline, past, how did we get here? What is the mindset and the change that got us to this point? Present, where are we now? What is the form that we're currently in? And what is the problem that we're having to deal with? That's the classical tee up of the hero's journey, the accidental hero. And Joseph Campbell talks about the scene, which is the call to adventure, which going back to Lord of the Rings is the departure or in the Bible, it's, you know, wandering the wilderness or, you know, these have mythical properties these plots, these narratives, these scenes, and Jeff Bezos has leveraged them, which there was this call to adventure, which was whether it was, you know, leaving Wall Street to start Amazon, leaving his comfort zone to walk into the wilderness, to take on risk. That was the call to adventure, which has been used in many, many ways in telling of founders' stories, these origin myths, whether it was Steve Jobs who dropped out of college or uh, you know, Bill Gates who dropped out of college to start Trafo Data with Paul Allen, or whether it was Tony Fernandez leaving Warner Music to buy AirAsia. These are mythical narratives which are borrowed and built upon to help people understand and package stories. And it creates a connection which normally wouldn't be there because it's so easy to see Amazon or Apple or AirAsia as the enemy, rich, privileged, powerful, but yet they are fronted by very human stories. And in the present, which is the middle box in the transformational narrative, it's all about departure, how we are dealing with the problem now. And it's not a problem which the accidental hero elected to solve. It was a problem that fate elected the accidental hero to solve. If that makes sense, the accidental hero, by virtue of his or her name, didn't choose to solve this problem. The accidental hero was chosen and there was nothing they could do about it. So they're almost being propelled on this mythical narrative arc, which they cannot in 
going back to the Greek times of the Odyssey or Theseus or these heroic myths where they go on these sagas as in Viking and Icelandic terms, these epic journeys, which they are forced to go upon. They cannot choose. So it's not their doing. It's fate. It's fate that conspires to send us on these journeys. It's fate that conspires to create Amazon. And then the future is about what are we trying to build? What is the better world that we are providing a glimpse of? And that's taking you to the better place, the promised land that's been talked about in every single heroic myth, the return to where the old, you know, the, the, better world that we're trying to build here together. That is the three box narrative. It's a structure that can be used effectively in religion, in your startup pitching for money and in standing in front of Congress and providing a deposition or a story about who you are. Because if that wasn't told properly, that could go very much the wrong way. But Jeff Bezos delivered a masterclass in storytelling. And Steve Jobs has used this to effect as well. I won't talk about the iPhone launch. I've talked about that in other episodes of Be More Human. I want to talk about how Jeff, how Steve Jobs um, convinced Cupertino Council to build new Apple campus on land which was zoned or needed permission to build upon. And rather than go into Cupertino Council in person and say, look, Apple is very important. We, we make a lot of money and pay a lot of taxes, which will be the obvious approach. State the data and the benefit to create change. Yet creating change isn't about stating data and benefits. That's an amateur way of doing it. Creating change is about adopting a structural narrative we already understand and packaging your data and your benefit within that. Until I understand your story, I don't know what your benefit and data is. So when Steve Jobs stood in front of Cupertino Council, he didn't say Apple is a trillion dollar company. Instead, he told the story about when he was a kid, he cold called Hewlett Packard from the phone book. And I think it was Packard or Hewlett, one of the two actually answered the phone. And he was surprised that the chief executive of the then probably most famous and successful IT company in the world answered the phone. And Packard or Hewlett, whichever one it would have been, laughed that there was this kid on the end of the phone asking him for parts to help build a computer. Obviously taken by his bravado, Hewlett or Packard invited Jobs in to work as an intern that summer. And Steve Jobs himself said to Cupertino Council, I was in heaven. I worked with these guys all summer and it was for me the definition of heaven. And that was again, a masterclass in storytelling because he set up the story in the same way Jeff Bezos set up the story, which was, I was just a kid. I didn't have much choice in the narrative, but here I am. And what Steve Jobs did masterfully was he built upon the narrative that had already been set by Hewlett and Packard. That 
Hewlett Packard HP was effectively the originator, one of the founding startups of Silicon Valley. Now, without HP and all the other companies that were built around at the time, there would be no Silicon Valley. They were the godfathers. They were the people that got the Silicon Valley dream going. And Cupertino was at the heart of Silicon Valley. So when Steve Jobs talked about HP downsizing, HP had reached the end of its tenancy, of its tenure as carrying the torch for, Hewlett, for Silicon Valley and now handing it over to Steve Jobs and Apple, he effectively borrowed the narrative of Silicon Valley and HP to continue the narrative of Apple. Apple in the present form in terms of solving the problem wasn't about building computers, wasn't about you know, iPhones. He didn't mention it at all when he did the pitch to Cupertino Council. Instead, like Amazon, he talked about the better world of what they could become. He talked about what they were trying to achieve, the global good, the greater good, the promised land. And he talked about HP downsizing and now Apple picking up the baton from them. And it's interesting, if you watch the video and, and Google it, it's on YouTube that afterwards the media when interviewing the head of Cupertino Council and asked them what their verdict was going to be and whether they were going to grant the extension to Apple, the leader of the council said, there's no way that we can refuse Steve Jobs. Now think about that in terms of influence. Think about it. He didn't just say yes. He said, there's no way we can refuse. It's a Jedi mind trick. And that is the power of storytelling because storytelling at its most effective level is hypnosis. It's transmitting information to other people without resistance by leveraging the APIs and the keys that already exist handed down to us through our cultural cloud, which is humanity and the collection of cultural narratives we've built over thousands of years. So rather than try and convince people with data and benefits, they simply borrow the API keys that are out there already, these structural narratives, these cultural narratives, these narrative structures that have been tried and tested for thousands of years. So when you tell your story, Think about this, the three-box technique, past, present, future. Past, how did I get here? So if you're a startup, it's not about, I'm trying to build this thing. It's, well, you know, 20 years I was working in a bank and I saw this was broken and I said, enough is enough. Somebody's got to fix this. Present, how are we solving the problem? This is what we're trying to build. This is the journey we're on. This is the call to adventure. These are the band of merry adventurers, that are, the fellowship that I'm taking with me on this journey. And future, this is how the world will be a better place if we get this right. That's a masterclass in storytelling. Jobs, Bezos, and it could be you.